Welcome to Inside and Out with Mike and Lidskin. This week we are covering MLB Free Agency. There's already been a little bit, Jonathan, of movement. Um, mm-hmm. Really more about the qualifying offers. Um, what do we know? We know Stroman accepted his qualifying offer. Mm-hmm. We know what the JT Rio Mutos, those are declining. Um, it's pretty much official. Um but the one remainder, if I'm not incorrect, is Kevin Gossman, right? He has not yeah. he has not made a decision. Um, if I had to guess, he's probably going to accept it. Um, I know Heyman, it was either Heyman or Rosenthal had tweeted out um, that he did have multiple long-term options. If he did choose to leave, um, mm-hmm. what, do you, what do you think about Gossman? Um, and then what do you think about Stroman? Yeah, well, Kevin Gosman is a guy who really came out of nowhere in San Francisco to become their number one pitcher this year and was a big part um, as to why they were actually close to a playoff spot when many expected them to finish last in the division. But you, you are correct. What's being reported right now is that he has multi-year um, offers on the table from different teams. And what we don't know is San Francisco is actually one of the teams that can pay players a lot in free agency mm-hmm. this year because of how wealthy their owner is. And right. so what we don't know is how much money Gosman's being offered in these, these multi-year deals because if they're less than what San Fran's offering him, he's likely just going to take his qualifying offer and stay with San Fran for the year. Right. Um, in terms of Strowman, uh, here's my stance is that I think he's a pretty good player. Um, mm-hmm. At this point in his career, he, it's very possible he's like a, a starting pitcher three or four. Um, but the reality of it is, is the Mets need arms. Um, they're losing. They were going to lose Stroman. Um, obviously, Porcella, Por, Porcello uh, and Waka are not here, thank God. Um, but they're, you know, they did carry spots in the rotation. Um, and regardless of whether or not you like them, uh, two starting pitchers leaving the rotation, actually really three with Stroman, uh, that, that's not good news. Uh, so Stroman comes in, fills the spot that he was going to leave. Um, so now the goal really is can you replace Porcello and Walker? Now Thor is coming back, right, June, July timeline. Um, so he's probably going to take one of those spots, uh, one of the Porcello-Walker spots, but we still have DeGrom. Peterson, Stroman, um, and then Thor. So what do you, you know, what are the, what's your thought as to should the Mets get one, two pitchers? Is there any names out there you like? And then uh, I'll give you my thoughts. Well, I think once Noah Syndergaard actually comes back, the Mets should be pretty much set in their rotation if he comes back how he was pitching before his injury. And the thing with, the, with Stroman is now that you have him locked up for the year, I think for the Mets, it's more about just finding low-cost options to fill out the rest of your rotation because you don't really need any big spending, big money free agent in your rotation once Syndergaard comes back. You can kind of just fill out the rest of your rotation with lower-level players um, to hold down the fort until Syndergaard gets back, and then you're fine. So I think if the Mets do that and then kind of focus on the big bats that they're going after, you know, Real Muto, Springer, Lindor, then that would be considered a good free agent plan for the Mets. 
Now, like, locking up Stroman was key, and right. he wasn't going to get more than he was offered by the Mets. I mean, that's for sure, is, is that $18.9 million is a lot. Um, and that's for most starting pitchers, um, even pitchers that I would say are better than Stroman. Uh, 18.9 mm-hmm. AAV, that's pretty pretty damn good. Um, so, I mean, if you picture this rotation, um, let's say, you know, Steve Cohen's really feeling it, uh, and he gives... Bauer the most money out of all of the other teams that are offering him um this rotation could be really really good I mean you look at DeGrom Bauer Stroman Thor Peterson I mean Mm -hmm. that might be better than 2015 2016 I mean that's a really good staff um so I I think Bauer uh, should definitely warrant consideration um and if you did, you see what Sandy Alderson said about Bauer. Um, I, I saw something. It was that he was a bit, like really entertaining guy. Yeah, he's, and that the, like that the sport is is built on entertainment, uh, and that and the thing I, I appreciated that uh, he said was Bauer is, you know, there's no other way to say it. He's weird. Um, he has all these training methods, these ways of working out that you really don't see anyone else doing in baseball. Uh, the shoulder tube, that was something that had been out but never really taken up uh, by, like, a big league player. So there is, like, mm-hmm. technologies, there's methodologies that he uses that, you know, he is the only one to use those. So the question is, uh, and this is what Sandy said, is I think if we were to sign him, he could bring some real new um, methodology, right? So they, ways of keeping your body at your peak shape that other mm-hmm. teams don't know, right? Because Bauer is so weird that maybe he could make DeGrom better if that even exists. You know, who knows? Yeah, and and the thing is, the Mets have the money if they want to go get, get Bauer with the money they are below the luxury tax and then the amount of money Steve Cunt has. So if they wanted to go get Trevor Bauer and just make their rotation among the elite elite in baseball they could absolutely do so right um but i mean that comes and and i think it was important that steve cohen went up in his news conference and said listen we don't want to be drunken sailors you know we're not going to throw money around and pay every big free agent the top dollar um because you know what a lot of teams they end up doing that and they look back and they say oh you know what maybe Giancarlo Stanton isn't worth 30 million dollars you know and Mm -hmm. Is it smart for the Mets? You know, listen, JT Real Muto is one of the best catchers in baseball. George Springer, one of the best center fielders in baseball. But maybe next year's crop has a guy that's similar and maybe even better. So, you know, are you really going to – is this upcoming year the year they have to win where they have to spend $100 million this year? No. And Cohen said that, right? He wants to build a sustainable winner, not just a team that wins next year and then can't win again. So Mm -hmm. here's my question for you is, you know, we just talked about the rotation in Bauer. Uh, Bauer's, I think, my favorite, uh, definitely favorite non-Met, but if he is my Met, he'll be my favorite Met, maybe behind DeGrom. Um, So here's my question to you is, Morton exists, so you can add Morton... Mm -hmm. He's going to be a lot cheaper than Bauer. He's a lot older than Bauer and also had a year that was not even close to comparable to Bauer. So if you look at the bats, there's a lot of moves they can make, and it starts with catcher and center field. 
Rio mm-hmm. Muto and JBJ, or McCann and Springer, those two pair together, and I guess the possibility exists that you can get Rio Muto and Springer, but let's be a little, you know, reasonable here. Which mm-hmm. pair would you prefer, whether it be Real Muto and Jackie Bradley Jr. or Brian McCann and George Springer? Oh, um, just a quick correction. I think you mean James McCann, not Brian McCann. That, that is but, what, I, yes, I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, you and I have talked about this um, a lot, actually. And I actually prefer Springer and James McCann um, to JBJ and JT Real Muto. Obviously, the first pairing of Real Muto and Bradley, you're getting a lot better on, on defense. But I think James McCann is good enough defensively that he can replace the embarrassing defensive display that Wilson Ramos has been putting on for the past couple of years. Yeah. So, and not to mention, James McCann is no slouch at the plate. This is a guy that hit 18 homers like just two years ago and mainly didn't get a ton of time this year because of Yasmani Grandal. But I think he's a very serviceable player that could hit 260, 270, even up to 280 um, if, you get, if he gets the chance. And then we, we all know what George Springer is. He's a really good leadoff hitter that has, that has power and is pretty good defensively himself. So I think getting the better center fielder and not spending a ton of money on a catcher that only plays five out of every seven games is, is probably the better route to go. I mean... I will tell you I have wavered between the two. And the reason why that is um, is the Mets' defense outside of, I would say, the infield. The infield defense improved a lot. Um, The infield outs above average for the Mets was plus six or plus five, which was like a 30-point jump um, year to year. So the defense looked a lot better. A lot of that is um, Andrew Jimenez. Um, Here are my thoughts is that – you know, I am not as excited about James McCann as others are. Um, I, looking at projections, looking at year-to-year numbers, James McCann is projected to have a lower war than Wilson Ramos in 2021 um, by Fangraph Steamer, which is a concerning um, because, you know, there's no doubt he's a better base runner. You know, he's better in a lot of the parts of the game that Wilson Ramos struggled. But I don't know if I love the bat. And the defense isn't as great as it would be with Real Muto. Um, what I like about the Real Muto-JBJ duo is that defense, like you said. Is that both of those players are essentially gold glove, you know, fielders. And Springer is a good fielder. I mean, may I wouldn't, I don't know if I would go great. But he's a little older, and chances are his defense will go down over time. But out of those four players, in my mind, Springer is the best bat, and I don't know if that can be disputed, which is why it leaves me, like, if we could get Real Muto and Springer, oh my god, that would just be unbelievable. Um, If I had to pick, I might go with the Springer combo just because of Springer's bat. Um, But it's... Man, that's as 50-50 as it gets in my mind, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not really sure. I think I would pick the Springer combo, though. Um, so <laughs> I think we agree on that. In yeah, tw- and then one of the other problems that you actually might run into with J2 Romito is he's 30 years old, right. so you can't really give him a seven-year deal and be paying him 
a ton of money at 37 years old. So if you can get him locked up to like a four or five year deal, that might be yeah. a better option. But if you have to pay him $20 million or whatever it is for six, seven years, I don't know if that long-term invest- investment is worth it. I mean, I, I forgot to touch on that in that with JT Realmuto, uh, there's no question he's a top two to three catcher in baseball, right? He's 30 years old. Uh, great great hitter at the position, um, great fielder at the position. His pop time is um, pop time is unbelievable. But then again, you know, some sources have said that he is looking for a seven year massive deal. That should not happen. Uh, I, I, like you said, four to five years, I would top at five. Um, five is the mm-hmm. most I would give him. Um, I don't know if I would really load up all those years. I don't know if I would defer the money towards the end. Maybe I would put it towards the beginning. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the other piece that we have not mentioned for the Mets is Francisco Lindor. Um, I mean, what a <clears throat> tremendous talent. And to be honest, when I look at this roster, um, I kind of just wrote out my thoughts, right? When I looked at a, a roster without Lindor, um, and, and that would be like Real Muto, at catcher, Dom or Pete at first and, and DH, that's interchangeable. Um, then you have Cano at second, Ahmed at short, third base is McNeil, and then you have Nimmo in left, which is where he should be because obviously he can't play, um, he can't play center field. Um, so I, put, I said they would get Springer and then Conforto in right. If you look at that roster, Ahmed Rosario is really a weak spot. Um, mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, I don't know if Andres Jimenez is that much better at all. Um, I mean, he's a great mm-hmm. fielder, but he has not proven himself with his bat yet, I would say. Right, and that's the thing. And the other thing you have to think about is if the Mets do trade for Lindor, which is very possible, he's likely to get shipped, and they're one of the many teams that are going to be in on him. But... If they do trade for Lindor, you have to think that they're probably giving up some of their big, big, league, big league players. And whether that be one of their shortstops, I'm assuming the Indians would want Jimenez over um, Rosario. And a guy like J.D. Davis, who at this point, with, with the Mets free agency coming up, I don't really know where he's going to play next year, despite how good, good he is with his bat. So it, it'll just be interesting to see what pieces the Mets have to move for Lindor, because you can't assume they're only giving up pro- up prospects. There's right. got to be some. There's got to be protein. Right. Um, I mean, I think if I had to pick a team for Lindor, I think the Blue Jays are a really good fit, and I also think they have talent that the Indians would like. Um, mm-hmm. So if I had to pick, that's where I think he would go. Um, I mean, the, you know, there's some important things to note. The first one would be um, Arenado is out there. Um, you know, the, there's no question. The Rockies don't want to pay that contract. You know, He could be the best player in baseball, and the Rockies don't want to pay that contract. That's just how they are. Um, they're not playing competitive baseball, and they don't want to pay if they're not playing competitive baseball. So the Mets could be suitors for Arenado. Um, let me ask you, I will say Lindor's numbers – 2016 and now have taken a little bit of a step down uh, there's no question mm-hmm. he's not hitting 300 anymore he's probably a 270 hitter does have pop amazing defense 
do you think Arenado is someone the metric should consider, or do you think they should stick with Lindor? Well, I actually don't like Arenado as much as other people do. I think Arenado's numbers are kind of inflated. His splits at cores are his splits from home and away are really questionable, and obviously cores field plays plays right into that. So with Arenado, he's one of the best defensive third basemen in baseball. You're, you're going to great defense when you're at him. I'm a little more skeptical about his bat than most, and frankly, that contract is a lot. And especially in a year where the Mets can pay, but you also have COVID going on. And this was a guy, you remember, whose name came up a lot in trade talks last year um, during the offseason, and the Cardinals were actually big, big players on him, and that didn't end up working out. But you, you, you're right. The Rockies absolutely don't want to pay that contract, and the Rockies aren't in the position right now where they can compete for even a playoff spot at this point. So, going into a rebuild um, and moving on from Arenado is kind of one of your better better options at this point. The, the question is, who's going to take that contract and for how much? Right. Um, I, I have to agree with you in that. Listen, Arenado is a great player. Uh, you know, there's no question. His defense is absolutely outstanding. Um, the bat is there, but I do have concern with his splits. I mean, they're they're out. The numbers are out there, right? He's what is it like a fifty point drop away in <clears throat> terms of his batting average? And, and listen, I'm not a batting average guy, but that is that you know, it's a number that that shows uh, you know a trend. Um, so, mm-hmm. a little concerning. I mean, here's here's a question that I think needs to be brought up: is that the Mets have uh, a lot of bats, right? They have JD Davis, mm-hmm. they have Dom Smith, they have Pete Alonso. There's question about whether or not there'll be a DH in the NL. I believe there will be in 2021. Um, do you consider shipping Pete, Dom, or J.D. Davis? I mean, Pete had a down year. What, who would you ship if you had to? Well, J.D. Davis for sure because just of the fact that his defense is bad and you really don't have anywhere to play him in the out, in the outfield. And um, also adding on to that, Alonso, I think you can have a better year this year than he did, did, did last year. By last year, I mean the season that ended a month ago. The, um just because the league kind of figured him out this year, and he only had 60 games to really adjust. And so I think in the offseason he's going to make those adjustments and not not get back to what he did in his rookie year, but he's going to be a solid player. And then Dom Smith really came on this year. He's been a trade candidate for the Mets for years, as you know. But I think that the Mets this season finally really gave him an opportunity, and he proved that he deserves a spot in their everyday lineup. So... I would move on from J.D. just because, like you said, they need to get better defensively, and J.D. is the opposite of getting better defensively. So, and 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 J.D. is also a valuable piece, right? Like, he's a good piece to trade. He has value. So, I think the Mets giving him up in a trade for Arenado or Lindor would, would be bad for them because they, can have, they have the pieces without him, and he brings good value for a trade. So I would agree in that out of Pete, Dom, J.D., J.D. is the most expendable 
of those pieces, and he, he you know he's he doesn't have a defensive position, which is never good um, for your job safety if you don't really have a place that you play all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of a bold take on my half. I think Dom would be the one I would ship out of the two. Uh, and the reason behind that is Pete's value is, is very low right now. I mean, for a guy that hit 50, what was it, 53 bombs hit his rookie mm-hmm. year, um, looked like an all-star for years to come, he didn't look like that in 2020. And in 60 mm-hmm. games really isn't a fair shot, um, I would say. And I think Pete would end up, I mean, he was on pace for like a million homers. The, the issue was his, his batting average and, and those splits, they were down. Um, mm-hmm. Dom's value is higher than, in my opinion, I think it will ever be. Um, he looked tremendous last year, and in 60 games, sometimes that can hide, you know, some of the bad parts of your game. Um, we, you know, a 60-game split isn't enough to tell tell you what a player really is. Um, mm-hmm. So that's where I think Dom, you know, if a team really thinks he's that all-star player that is yet to be tapped into, um, I think he's a really good hitter. Um, I think his bat's there. I've liked him ever since he came up. Um, but I would ship Dom simply based on value because um, I wouldn't want to get, you know, I, I would want to get good value on, on that return. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of – I wanted to go into some of the other free agents that are available that I think, the you know, the Mets and other teams really should look into – uh, obviously, this is going to be like a Met-centric episode, um, and the reality is, is that this off season will be a Met-centric off season. Um, I mean, you and I both agree, right? The Giants are probably going to be big players as well, as well as what the Blue Jays. Is there any other team you think? Yeah, I think the Blue Jays are actually. We didn't. I didn't realize it until a couple weeks ago, but the Blue Jays are actually in a pretty good spot because they have a lot of money, and they kind of remind me of the Cubs to an extent from 2016 where you have a lot of young superstars coming up and the Blue Jays are going to look to add another guy who is considered a superstar to a potential team that can compete in in 2021 and obviously the Cubs added Jason Hayward and that didn't really work out but I think the Blue Jays are kind of in that same aspect where they have a lot of money and a lot of good young players so they can spend on a big free agent and add good pieces to our an already good team. Okay, so Giants, Blue Jays, Mets, I think those are the three big teams. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the Mets being relevant is a direct result of Steve Cohen and his cash influx. Did you get a chance to watch the Cohen news conference at all? Did you see any parts? I didn't, but I heard a little, a little bit about it. And, like, I think basically the main message was that, like, yes, they can spend money, but they don't want to if they don't have to because they want to build a team that can sustain success over a long period of time, right. similar to how the Dodgers are doing it right now. Right. Um, and, I mean, he Steve Cohen himself said the Dodgers, he really likes what they're doing. Um, he wants to change the power structure of the Mets. Um and, I mean, frankly, he said, I want the best analytics, I want the best players, and I want to win multiple ships. I don't want to win just one. He gave a three- to five-year timetable, and he said it would be slightly disappointing if the Mets could not win a World Series, which is quite the statement, very bold. Not sure if it was the right statement, but definitely will get Mets fans excited. Um, 
I wanted to touch on four other free agents I think would be a good fit to join really any team, um, including the Mets. First one, Brad Hand. Released, Sandy Alderson went out there and said if it was different timetable, meaning if, you know, me and Cohen were in charge of the Mets when he hit the waivers, I think we would have added him. Um, it might have been a slight overpay, but he's a great player. Obviously, it was not. It was Brody at the time, Will Pons, so they're not going to put any money into it at all. Um, so they didn't even put a claim in for Steve Cohen and Sandy Allerson, which I, I don't understand, but it is what it is. He's a free agent. Is that a guy you really think could make a big impact in the bullpen somewhere else? Yeah, he's a guy that's been one of the better um, better closers in baseball the last couple years, I would say, even going back a little before then to his time in San Diego where he really came, came up and became a star. But, yeah, I mean, this is a guy I talked about on my podcast that I thought the Cubs could could maybe add um, if, they, if they were willing to pay him because, quite frankly, the Cubs need lefties in their bullpen, and Brad Hand happens to be a very good lefty. But, yeah, this is a guy who could – step into immediate an immediate closer role almost anywhere and have success i would agree um i will say over the years i've become more wary of doubling down on the success of relievers edwin diaz we thought he's the he could never be bad well he was um for a year obviously had a bounce back year you know kimbrell i will say i i didn't think he would perform well but a lot of people did um I think year-to-year success for relievers is like, all, you know, Kirby Yates. It's all over the place. There's no reliever, you know, Hater blows up now. In his rookie year, you're like, how, you know, he's never going to blow up again. He's the greatest pitcher ever. So year-to-year success, just the quantity of innings that these pitchers are allowed to throw makes it hard for them to sustain consistent success, which is why the Chapmans, those guys, are, you know, worth every penny. So... <coughs> Brad Hand, I agree. Another guy I like is Liam Hendricks. Um, <laughs> I mean, he's tremendous. I really, really like what he can do. Um, his mechanics are funky, um, which I think in terms of scouting, hard to pick up. I think the hitters are seeing the ball late. And I think his success, um, you know, some of his success comes from that funkiness. And, and when that is the case, you know, when your pitching mechanics um, – are cause of your success, usually that means that you will have more sustained success, right? Because even if the ball isn't moving the way you want to, um, maybe the hitters are seeing it late and they can't jump on the fastball like they can others. So Hendricks is a guy I like. Is that if you had to pick Hendricks or Hand, which which guy do you like more? Um, to be perfectly honest, they're both great. I, I would love either one of them on a team I cheered for, but. I have to go Brad Hand, to be per- perfectly honest. Um, he's not particularly old. He's had success in multiple places. And just from a pure watching baseball perspective, left- lefties in the bullpen are so key. Just being able to b- bring in a guy with a lefty-dominant part of the order coming up and go out there and get three outs, right? Because you now have that three-batter minimum in baseball. But... I want to kind of go back to what you said, how paying relievers is so risky because of their up and down years. And you know as well as I do that I, I was the conductor of the Edwin Diaz hype train with yeah. um, his last year in Seattle. Right. And 
he came to the Mets and just was a totally different pitcher. And so relievers are weird. En- environments change them. They're put into some of the most high-pressure spots in baseball. And I think it's more important, and we kind of saw that with Tampa, with this with Tampa uh, in the postseason, that it's more important to have a full bullpen, a more complete bullpen, than just one guy, a top five closer in baseball. Agreed. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I actually think I would prefer Hendricks. Um, I think the difference between Hendricks and Hand is I feel like Hendricks, in terms of the percent of outings he goes out there and dominates, is higher than Hand. I mean, how many times I can remember a good amount of times where Hand goes out there and this is a guy that obviously doesn't have crazy velocity and relies on that that big sweeping slider. Um, for Brad Hand, if he doesn't have that slider, he doesn't have that fastball, he's going to get lit up. And there are a few times I, I you know distinctly recall where Hand did, you know, he didn't, he didn't get out unharmed. Um, so I think I would prefer Hendricks. Um, but hand is no, you know, if that is what you have to settle for, if you don't get Hendricks, uh, I'm on board. Um, so I definitely agree on those two. Um, in terms of two players I really like, um, the first I'm going to say is Tanaka. I like him more than the average Joe. I think he's pretty good. Um, I think he is what he is. I don't think you know, you're signing him for a potential upside. I think Tanaka is who he is. He's a good pitcher. He's not a great pitcher. If the Mets were to sign him as like a five, four, totally fine with me. Um, mm-hmm. Is Tanaka a guy you like? Do you prefer Hap? Is, is there someone else besides the Morton Bauer that you like more than Tanaka or no? Well, Mashiro Tanaka is kind of a guy that came into New York with a lot of hype, right? He was one of the best Japanese prospects came over from their league that we'd ever seen and he was good for a while but um i feel like he's kind of regressed and like he's he was a guy that was supposed to be the yankees number two pitcher this year even and he just hasn't he wasn't that and so i think he's kind of fiddling down so i think you're right a fourth or fifth option in the bullpen or not in the bullpen in the rotation is probably where he fits best right now and you know maybe he just needs to change the scenery this was a guy that was really good at a time but i mean i thought jay half was pretty decent towards the back half of the year too so i mean i'd be fine with either one of them in the back half of my rotation but i I certainly feel that the mets don't need to overpay on either of those guys to be a fourth or fifth pitcher right i mean in terms of foreign baseball players this year has a free agent um from the kbo so obviously there's a few people that ended up watching the kbo as a result of baseball getting temporarily suspended and then opening back up um ha song kim and i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing that correctly um he looks like a guy who could really translate to the major leagues um a shortstop played for the Kiwoom Heroes. It, I really, really like his bat. I think his defense is good. I think he's probably a top 10, 15 shortstop in baseball. 
Um, mm-hmm. If he does come to the MLB, like everyone's expecting. But he's a guy, I think, that is really under the wire um, because I think Otani made huge headlines because um, he was the Japanese Babe Ruth. But I would not sleep on this guy. Uh, is there any, you know, any thoughts you have on him? Well, you actually introduced me to this guy um, a couple, like a couple weeks ago, and I actually had no idea he was even coming over. But it seems like we've had kind of a whole group of Japanese Korean baseball players that are now coming over every year. Where in the past we we didn't really have that. And you got to remember we had Shohei Otani, then uh, Yusei Kikuchi, and Shogo Akiyama, and now we have Kim. And so. I, I kind of looked him up when you st- told me about him, and I kind of found out some things that just interested me. He hit 308 um, last year last year in the KBO, which obviously very good. But the thing that popped out at me was he hit 30 homers in a league where not a ton of homers are hit, at least not at a rate that the MLB right. hits them. So 30 homers at, at shortstop is something that it's hard to find in the MLB. And so just looking at that, that, he definitely could make an impact on a big league roster. I mean, I think what's, so this is right. A Korean import is that he's from the KBO, the Otanis, those guys, um, I think were from the Japanese baseball league. So Mm -hmm. Kim is a little different. Um, but, you know, every year it seems like there's a new guy to look at. And this year it's Hossam King in that I think mm-hmm. he can make a real impact on a team. Not like the Mets, right? It, you're not signing him if you have Ahmed Rosario and you're kind of mediocre. Um, I think you're mm-hmm. signing him if you really have a big hole at shortstop. Um, so uh, I, heard, I saw that the Yankees were interested in Andrelton Simmons. This is a guy they should have their eyes on, uh, um, teams like that. I know you had an idea... You wanted to talk about a certain interview, so I'm going to let you introduce that. What? Yeah, so Tony LaRusso was hired by the White Sox, right? And, like, from the beginning, we knew he, it was a, a questionable hire, to say the least. The guy the guy had been arrested, and we actually just found out a couple of days ago that he was arrested the day before he got hired. Yeah. Um, and so, so that, that kind of is eye-popping, but... And then this whole thing comes out that Tim Anderson hasn't talked to him. Tim Anderson's like the team. arguably the best best player, right. best future player for the White Sox. I'm Jose Abreu is obviously the current best player, but yeah. So so I saw some stuff on Twitter about Bob Nightingale. He did this interview with this Sox podcast, and he just said some very questionable stuff, sure. and it was just kind of eye popping. Like I, I'll. I'll read you some of the things he said that was really questionable. So, first of all, off he goes, there are a lot worse things than a manager be- than a manager being pulled over for a suspicion of DUI. Well, what does that mean? Like, I, Bob, I don't understand like what you're saying with with that. And yeah, there are worse things than a manager being pulled over for DUI, but. For a guy that's supposed to be managing a baseball team, that's pretty bad. It's a, it's a pretty bad example, especially for the team he's managing being a young team. And then this was the one I thought was just to- totally worse. Um, so Chuck Garfian, who works for the White Sox pre- and post-game, I believe, says 
So Tony LaRusso could have to spend a night in jail during spring training or even a regular season game. And this was Nightingale's response. While David Ross missed the first three games of the season with the flu. That's your response? I mean... How do you compare those two? That is embarrassing. I think... Yes, Bob was a complete idiot in this interview. And he just said some stuff that just why why are you even saying it but i think this kind of opens up a lot of people's eyes to how bad of a hire tony larusa really was like he couldn't miss a game because he's in jail and i think aj hinch was my, was my top candidate for the white Sox job and he's obviously going to i believe it's detroit now yeah. and so I mean, he had, you had the chance to hire a guy who, yes, cheated, but also is was a good manager, period, versus a guy who, had, yes, has had success as a manager, but also was arrested. So, Michael, I don't know what you what thought about that interview, and I know you won't, you only saw the same quotes that I did, but um, do you have any thoughts on, on the hire or anything that Nightingale said? I mean, what's kind of interesting is... Tony LaRusso is not the first manager I know of who's gotten DUI. Um, Kind of swept under the rug, Terry Collins in 2010 was arrested for a DUI. Uh, Not a lot of people know about it, um, but if you search it up, there are mug shots out there of Terry Collins, which is kind of crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. This was before he was the Mets manager, but, like, you know, nonetheless, he had dealt with problems with DUI. I'm not a fan of the higher period. Tony LaRusso is third, you know, third most wins of any manager ever, and the other two are dead. So, in terms of baseball resume, uh, the highest it could possibly be. Uh, he, is, he has a sustained career of winning. But here's the issue is that the DUIs are concerned, especially two. Um, why do you hire him? The You know, you... At that point, when you hear a day before that you just got charged with a DUI, at that point, you can say, you know what, let's reconsider. Um, there are other managerial candidates out there that I think are awesome. Sam Fold, I think, is mm-hmm. the next great manager in baseball. The guy is so analytically inclined. Um, and if the Mets are to move on from Rojas, I would be all over Fold. Um, but... Larusa is a is a head scratcher for so many reasons. He's old. He doesn't. I don't think he's going to connect well with the players. His most recent comment prior to taking the job was questioning Tatis swing three zero. I mean, I just don't think he is involved with modern baseball enough. Um, so <laughs> I definitely am, I think it's a questionable hire. Um, nonetheless, yeah. go ahead. And not to mention that. The White Sox are a young team trying to build like a long, build long term success. They have guys who are in their early twenties, right? And they're just getting started as being a top contender in baseball. And you hired a manager that who knows how long he's going to be able to manage a team, right? Right. So, like, imagine. I'm trying to think of a good, good example. Like, imagine you're the Yankees in one of your long runs where you have really good players and you're try- trying to win the world, Se- world series consistently year in and year out. And just all of a sudden in this, in the middle of this run or at the, at the start of this run, even before you even won a world, one world series, you, 
you have to hire a new manager. Just in in the middle of it. I mean, like, I think the quote. I mean, Tony Larusa, when he got arrested. I mean, you saw that. I'm assuming. What was it? It was. <laughs> do you see my ring? I'm a Hall yeah, of I'm Famer a, baseball person. I'm legit. I'm a Hall of Famer, brother. You can't do that. I mean, the arrogance no. with that is is unbelievable, especially for a manager, right? A guy you're supposed to look up to. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Tim Anderson considers himself a better person than Tony LaRusso will ever be. Um, and usually the manager is some guy that you aspire to and knows the game so well and has a great moral compass. Obviously, that's not the case. Um but I mean, is there anything else, Levitskin, you want to you want to specifically talk about? I think I we got it all out of the way. But yeah, I mean this, I mean this interview just completely baffled me. What what Nightingale said, and like, I mean the guy's known for being wrong a lot and also jinxing things. Yeah. Um, but I mean, when you combine reporting factual inaccuracies along with just being a complete idiot and you you have yourself a bad person for a job and so i mean this this tony larusa thing is just a complete mess and i I have a feeling that there's going to be more about this during the offseason i mean you had marcus stroman said said yesterday that you wouldn't even consider playing for the guy yeah so this is a team that needs to add pitching um specifically the back end of their rotation and I just don't know who would want to go play for the White Sox right now. And, even wh- with and why the would they? Coming up. Why would you stick with a hire if it could impact the amount of free agents you can bring in? You know, at that point, why wouldn't you just say, you know what, we thought it would work, it doesn't work. Um, and listen, you can still get rid of the guy. Yeah, right? and we no saw one the would. Same exact right. thing with the Mets last year with Carlos Beltran. Right. Right. You can hire a guy and then get rid of him because you find find out something was is wrong with them. It, it, for Beltran, it was that we, he was involved in a cheating scandal. So it's not too late for the White Sox to, to get rid of him. Um, like you said, there's still good manager candidates out there. And frankly, nobody else has a has a manager job open. So they can take a look at whoever they want without feeling any pr- pressure. But I think Jerry Reinsworth just needs to admit he's wrong and find somebody else because Tony LaRusse is not the answer. And he's never going to be the answer for the White Sox. So, a little bit of breaking college football news before we leave. The Ohio State game has just been canceled. Oh, I just saw that. So, that's going to be interesting. Well, Ohio State should be fine still. Cause COVID you- issues at Maryland, not, not OSU. Okay. but. Will be interesting to see how that goes. Considering I well, Ohio the State. thing is, Ohio State could have another game canceled even after the, after this Maryland Indiana. game and still be eligible for the In- playoff. Indiana is the next game. Yeah, but if Ohio State's, I mean, that might even benefit Ohio State because it they're they're not having COVID issues. It's Maryland. Yeah. And so they, they essentially get a bye week before the biggest game of the regular season. Right. So I mean. That, that could end up benefiting them. Uh, but, dude, college football is just a complete mess this week. I mean, I SEC what fell we were going apart. Along, for, for what college athletic is, we were going along relatively smooth, smoothly, yeah. smoothly with postponements and cancellations. And then 
this week we just have four SEC games canceled and now a Big Ten game canceled just out of nowhere. It is, it is, it's going bad, but hopefully they can figure it out. Um, yeah, hopefully before Christmas we get some key MLB free agent signings. Agreed. I mean, and hopefully. This feels like it's going to be a, a long, a drawn long out off season. A very long off season. Well, thank you so much for tuning into this week's podcast, and we are looking forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Have a nice day.